1: Good morning Cleveland! We've got Ian, we've got Jack on the podcast, and we've got Michael Boodleck. No, we've got Hayden Grove! Hayden, how are you buddy? I'm good, I'm good. I'm planning my London trip as we speak. Mate, you want to come and stay here with me, I insist. We've had Zane Gonzalez stay, Greg Joseph, and a Scottish Hammer. So you could be...
0: It's a lot of kickers, a lot of punters.
1: Yeah. Ben Albright.
2: Don't forget about Ben.
1: Yeah, Ben Albright came to stay as well. Yeah, he stayed for a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we want you to come here, Hayden, and relax, show you London life. But this is not a London podcast. It's a Cleveland Browns podcast, and you've come out with a huge claim, and you've been hesitant about it. Kevin Stefanski is a good man, a smart man, all positive, you got a lot of respect for him, but just not the right H head coach for this football team, and his scheme is not what Deshaun Watson needs. Yes, you're ready for the hate. I love that, Hayden.
0: Yeah, I, and I I know why the people you know because Kevin Stefanski probably is one of the best Browns coaches we've had. Right? He's he's definitely um, he's definitely up to snuff. He he has a good you know understanding of the game, and 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 he he has a good. Um, kind of calm demeanor when you need it, but I think for this team specifically, there's a lot of le- there. There's not a lot of vocal leadership, right? There's not a lot of guys that that are gonna step up and, and say something that needs to be said. You know, you have your Miles garrett's who's, you know, kind of beat goes to the beat of his own drum. You have your Nick Chubb who doesn't say anything and just goes to the beat of his own drum. You know, Deshaun hasn't been there long enough to really be a leader. Mari Cooper doesn't say anything. So where are your, where are your vocal leaders at? And I think as a head coach, I'm not saying that, that Kevin Stefanski needs to be, you know, effusive and, and yelling on the sidelines, but I think that sometimes you need to say things that need to be said and you need to motivate your team. And I don't think he does that. And furthermore with all the mistakes we've seen, you know, they're just not, it doesn't seem like they're getting better. Like, they played okay against the the Bucks. Yeah, I think that was a good win. But then they played, you know, Deshaun was horrible against Houston and the offense looked disjointed. Then yesterday you had a million penalties and you didn't adjust on defense when they only had Jamar Chase. And Deshaun, I feel like they really held him back when he was getting ready to kind of get some of the more of that rust off. So my thing with Deshaun Watson is that when I've seen him on tape be really good, it's when he's throwing the ball down the field. Like, long passes, you know, over guys' heads, and it's not so much timing. You know, yes, he's a – Kevin Kevin's scheme seems to be a timing scheme and not a scheme built on, you know, just great quarterback play. It seems to be, okay, when this guy's open, you need to throw the ball instead of, like, just having a better feel for the quarterback position in the game. So I, that's just my opinion. I think that, you know, going back to last year, I had questions about Kevin and – I do understand that he's a good coach and I do understand that he's a guy that, you know, that has a great knowledge of the game. I just think he's probably better suited as a really good offensive coordinator than a head coach.
2: Hayden, it's nice to have you on the show of somebody who has a more pleasing voice than I do, <laughs> but I do have a couple questions because a lot of the things you talked about, I think have been concerns for people going into it. You know, the vocal leadership, We heard spouts of that early in the year about, you know, the defense claiming we didn't have those leaders. And as you know, leadership comes in so many different shapes and sizes. How How much of the Stefanski thing do you think comes because he's not that flashy Mike McDaniel, humor, sarcasm, Mike Vrabel in your face, punch you, hug you. Like he's kind of the adult in the room that the Browns have never had but he's very vanilla, right? He has a Belichickian way in press conferences or even Trestle for that matter. They say a lot without saying really anything. And I think the fan base is just saturated with, you know, the Hugh Jackson. I'm going to go watch the film or, you know, I'm going to circle back to this. It just, it's the same thing, which I think is just bored the fan base.
0: Yeah. And I think Ian, I think it goes to um, the, you know, he hasn't, the last two years he hasn't won. Right. And that will, that will become stale no matter who the head coach is. You know, if that's Mike Rabel, they'll say he's too fiery. If that's M- Mike McDaniel, they say, they'll say they say he's too quirky. I think with Stefanski, I think that it just, this team, for lack of a better term, sometimes they need a kick in the ass and I don't think he's giving it to them. You know, I, it just, it seems like sometimes they just go through the motions, especially on defense. And um, it just, it, it, it does come off a little bland. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, I just think for this particular team, you they need a coach that kind of can can motivate them. And I just don't think Kevin Stefanski does that. You know, Belichick comes off that way to the media, but I've heard behind the scenes, he's very like, he is fiery. He does get after guys. He it does, you know, relate to his players. And I know for a fact, going back to last season, that Kevin Stefanski makes no effort to relate, no effort to, you know, kind of be that guy. And I think that turns players off. And I think that that's what's turning the fans off.
2: I think a lot of Stefanski is there's a robotic element to him, right? Yeah. He's data driven in the sense of like growing up, playing football on different types of levels, the positional coaches, a lot of times are those ones that are a little bit more fiery. You yes, know, and, and that's where I wonder if maybe Stefanski looks and says, there's too many, of these type of personalities in the room where we do need someone that can, you know, quote unquote, kick someone in the ass. And maybe that's a fiery DC. The one thing I just, I respect about Stefanski is, is even within his offense, he is a man that understands his limitations, right? He is able to say, okay, listen, I don't know everything. And I think the most poignant thing that I've noticed in the last two weeks is how much this offense has evolved in terms of what they're going to do for Deshaun. You talked about, you know, the downfield throws. Well, Andrew Barry hasn't given him a downfield option. That was supposed to be Anthony Schwartz. We don't have that element of the game. Jack and I have discussed this to the nth degree. And there's other Browns fans that have just pounded on the table for the wide receiver. Maybe that was supposed to be Jakeem Grant. It hasn't worked out. But the one thing I noticed about Deshaun was they, they sat down with him and made the pitch to him in the South and said, come to us for this reason. And they took his Houston playbook and they said, Hey, This is what you did really well. Ironically enough, with Watson, he plays better outside of structure. You know, with that Houston team, it was plays on the move, those boots, those RPOs, all the stuff that's like the opposite of what Stefanski did with Baker. With Baker, he tried to put the square peg in the square hole, and Baker's like, I want to be a triangle. So with Watson, it's weird because we see this offense now completely switch gears, and you talk about the penalties. I mean, Betonio's got a hold on a scramble. Well, that's new. I mean, these these offensive yeah. linemen, the running plays are different. We're talking about RPOs, guys getting downfield. One of the things I even talked about with the guys last week was our offense used to come to the or come to you know formation with 18, 19 seconds left and Brissett would sit back. Now you see them, they're all looking to the sideline, they're kind of peering. There's just not a grasp of the offense. And that's why I think the long term game for Stefanski is listen, I'll get you to play within structure, but also the element that you bring of without structure is what we need to be that second level in that top tier offense. And I just think it's going to take more than these eight games and this off season, you know, we're probably not going to see the, the fruits of this labor until 2023.
0: That's fair. Um, And I, I like what you said about the off, the off structure thing or the off, you know, the, the, the out of the structure kind of thing. I, Cause I, I agree. I think that that's a lot of what Deshaun Watson does, but maybe, There's part of me that thinks that this offense is all about structure, and I just don't know if Deshaun's going to be willing to, from what I can tell and what I've heard and what I've seen, I don't know if Deshaun's going to be willing to be patient enough to just have this structured offense and just, you know, not play his game, if that makes any sense.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why Stefanski and him might be a great match, only because if Stefanski like, listen, I'm going to give you, I mean, how many times did we see open receivers that Baker made the wrong read? And I sure. think that's where Deshaun has a higher football IQ in terms of playing the quarterback position yesterday. His interception was he's trying to push the ball deep, not realizing that the corner dropped off of Felton. So yeah. in the terms of he just dumps that into the flat, you're looking at probably 12, 14 yards. He's trying to be aggressive, but you can tell, I mean, the Bengals ran cover zero at him a couple times. His head was like, wait, what's going on? This it's, it's still moving a lot faster than I think he remembers. And with it being that he hasn't played real football in front of fans in 2019, it's going to take him a while. And luckily Jack and I were just talking about this. The rest of this schedule should be a perfect kind of blend for decent defenses, bad offenses, decent offenses, bad defenses. I realistically think the Browns could win out. I don't think there's a game left on the schedule and if the Browns finish nine and eight, Watson's playing better at the end of the year. Now you've got buy in. Now it's Andrew Berry's job to kind of get him that deep threat because you're right. That's why everybody wanted Will Fuller. Get sure. deep, get deep. Deshaun throws a beautiful air to deep ball. Yep. When are we going to see it? Well, Brilliant. Anthony Schwartz can't catch. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What we yeah, do we do? No, and 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 I and you make great point. Of, I mean, that's one. Another thing that bothers me about this team is that we all in the offseason said they need a deep threat. They need a deep threat. They need a deep threat. It was never addressed. We need a defensive line. We need a defensive line. We need a defensive line. It was never addressed. And it's and just that on top of everything else in terms of the way they lose these games. I have, I have, I agree with you that they can win the last four. I just have no faith that they will because of how they've lost every, you know, all these games this year. It's been, it's, if you come into a game and you're, you know, everybody in Cleveland thought, okay, you know, I know Cincinnati's a good team. I'm not saying that they're a bad team, but everything, everybody's like, okay, you've kind of had this kind of stranglehold over Zach Taylor and you, you basically beat yourself yesterday. Like you, a lot of it was beating themselves. Uh,
2: did you so see, like, did you see the adjusted scores? Jack, who is it that releases the adjusted? Is it Kevin Cole?
3: Yeah, it's Kevin Cole. Used to be at PFF.
2: And what was the adjusted score?
3: It was one point to the Browns. I think it was 26-25. So once okay. you take out the penalty variation and all that sort of random stuff,
0: Browns were slightly the better team. Great. Very slightly. You're but Jack, you're right, and the, but that's the problem is that you're beating yourself. I mean, it's just it, it. This is I I I love the nuance and I love the appreciation for all this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's a win loss league, and they're five and eight. And if they don't win the last four, they're going to finish under five hundred again. And I would say this roster is probably too good to be under five hundred. So at some point, I'm not saying that it's all Kevin's fault, but if you're under a five hundred again the way that Jacoby played and the way that your defense is played, you know, changes gotta, gotta, gotta come. And I think Some you're, way, somehow.
2: that's that music that you only can sing to Jack's ears. When you talk about roster construction, he's just lighting up like a Christmas tree. But I will say we did see a little fire from Stefanski. If you're Tony fields, you went from uh, the uh, the penthouse to the outhouse very quickly yesterday because the TV cameras caught Kevin laying into number 42 after he, Rugby speared the punter for absolutely no reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just that's that's a lack of experience, and uh, you know, I think that Tony he had a really good game last week, and he's young and he's not experienced yet. I think it'll, you know, but that's again, that's roster construction. And that's the problem is that this team is young, and it's like you, this team is so complex because there's so many young pieces, and there's so many really good pieces, but then there are pieces that are kind of it's just it's a lot. It's a lot to kind of handle. And um, you know, it definitely doesn't make Kevin's job any easier. Hayden, what do you want to say, mate, thanks a lot for
1: your time. I know you've probably got to go to Crooker Park now and sing or do something exciting. <laughs>
0: today, no. I I've, I've I had five gigs this weekend and I was in Cincinnati yesterday. So I am relaxing today. I'm trying to just calm down. <laughs> My last question is mate, you're in Cincinnati. Did you get the uh sky is it Skyline chili. Skyline. no I didn't act, I didn't get the skyline but they do have at the at the Bengals game they bring in um at halftime that's kind of their snack is to bring in chili so yes I had some is that chili for the media guys yes nice that's
2: how they avoid yep. covering the second half That's right exactly we were all in the bathroom in the second half. oh
1: my my great, great no. catching up sorry I haven't seen you this much this year and uh, yeah I look forward to coming out there a lot more next year. Now the World Cup's out of the way. And,
0: uh, oh, yeah. Guys, I'm so been. sorry. I, I know how hard that is.
1: Yeah. Well, look, look forward to seeing you in London. You, you, uh, I think you can
0: say your family's over here, right? Next. Yeah. My brother. My brother is in Brighton. Um, and so I'll be over there in the spring at some point. So I will let you know. I'll let Jack know and we'll grab a pint and maybe even go to Odell's Club. You never know. No <laughs> question of doubt. I'm going to take you to Odell's Club. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> All right, Hayden, thanks for your time, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care, mate. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, and I, I just
3: think I, I want to continue this talk with where it goes. And there are a couple of points people make on the Stefanski thing. And this isn't really related to Hayden. It's more to wider discussion where it connects back to what people said about Baker, where they go, oh, but he's the best we've had. If that is your excuse for keeping Kevin Stefanski... I'm not interested because, oh, Baker's the best quarterback we've had since we come back. That That's no reason for me to keep him. If you want to make the case, hey, he's top 16, I'm happy to have that discussion. I think there is a route where he is in there. Um, but it always infuriates me when people go, oh, but he's the best head coach we've had since the return. So what? Um, just because someone's the best over a certain small span based against other Browns people is not good enough. You have to look at the league and go, is he... Top 16, because hey, effectively top 16, you're good enough as a head coach to compete yeah, and win it.
2: I, thi- I think he is. I think he's the second best coach in this division, if I'm being honest. I think Tomlin's the best coach. I think Stefanski's the second. Harbaugh's the third. Zach Taylor's the fourth. I would say I mean, that, that you're right. Is he the best we had is relevant. What, what do I care about Bud Carson? Like I don't care about the coach from the 90s. But what I care about is who out there is better If if you tell me right now, Sean Payton is going to come to the Browns, I'm on board. Let's go. Sorry, Kevin. I'll help you pack your shit in Westlake and we can move on. But the one thing that we just, I think, sometimes forget is we all loved Freddie. And Freddie is a great guy. I would drink with him till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you need an adult in the room. And I can't take that away from Stefanski. He is an adult. He does not throw his... Players under the bus in the media he does everything the professional way right he doesn't wear stupid t-shirts and stuff like that he doesn't buy into these stupid questions because at the end of the day and hayden aside obviously some of the questions he gets asked are just mind-boggling stupid and he handles them like a professional he doesn't go up there and make sarcastic headline worthy stuff and i like that i really do because when you're trying to figure out all the things behind the scenes you can't have those type of things hog the headlines. And Jack, we've seen it. The man can design an offense. He really can. He's offensively a talented guy. Now, what happens on Sunday? That's that's a different question. And I think this Stefanski question is a good one. Paul, do you think... When you watch the game, what are the most egregious things like that you see from a manager standpoint or the things that he does? Like, is it time management? What is it you see he does where you're just like, what is he doing? The penalties frustrated me about yesterday. But we've
1: ever since Hugh Jackson era and I've been supporting the Browns, it always seems to be an issue, but it felt like we cleaned it up, but yesterday was a bit frustrating. Um The only way I can compare it is. I do miss that Greg Williams character, the the blood,
2: the flashy, the The get in your face, just in the sea gap. Yeah. And, but with management, I sometimes
1: think having that emotion can be a negative. So I'm quite, I quite like that um, calm collective guy
2: Would you call it like a CEO? He has like a CEO demeanor. Because that's the way I describe it to my friends. I don't want the rah-rah guy at the top. I want the CEO. I want, you know, that flashy in-your-face. I want that at coordinators and position coaches. Because I need the CEO at the top to be like, okay, we get it. In practice, if they... To your point about penalties, right? And I think some of them can be attributed to the offense. But have you noticed maybe it's just me. The number of stupid Ronnie Harrison, like personal fouls seem to be way down. Am I off on that? It seems like they're a little bit more procedural or technique penalties, whether it's a hold or, you know, something like that. Maybe a a guy gets beaten coverage and grabs. I get it. But I do think that the team plays more in control than they have in years past. This is just me ideas. Like this conversation obviously has gone you know, with Hayden jumping on to talk to us, our typical post game is in a different place right now. But I think it's safe to say that a majority of the fan base has now, quote unquote, got off the bus so we can have this conversation. But overall, I think, to Jack's point, I think he's a top 16 manager. I really do. If, if so, I just talk
1: about some managers we know in sport, and, you know, we've got quite a lot of UK listeners, so like, Freddie Kitchen for example, I had probably the, I had the best relationship with Freddie Kitchens. I have all the managers of the Browns but however, yeah I just thought it was a bit too like the way wore as sue you know you're the you're the, you know there's a lot of things that he did that you know as a manager blah 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 look, look if you look at soccer' like Jose Mourinho, you know his attitude is just getting the win what what whatever is necessary to get the win. And he connected with fans, and he was never scared to single out people. So that's like Mourinho's style. And, you know, we could talk about other managers. You can talk about Gareth Southgate at the moment. Maybe similar to Stefanski. He's got one plan. It can work it sometimes. When the shit is the fan, he's not that cocky. Not, cocky's not the right word. He's not that manager that can just go, I showed you. That, you know, Mourinho, just do something really bizarre win the game okay he tried it with that um four and one reset you know touchdown okay he was trying it and as twitter said if he gets it everyone thinks he's a genius but i think the difference is with some other managers if mourinho did that trick it would have worked um because he believed in it he you know, practiced it a million times he knew how to execute it with kevin savansky i just think he's too nice it's not a negative that he's too nice. We know what we get. And for that reason, I'm backing him for another another season at least. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday. We've got three draft picks, basically. We're losing. And please correct me if I'm wrong.
2: Next year, no, first, is it, you're saying three, four? We've got I think three. it's three, three ones and a three. The, the, yeah, the top 100 picks is all really I care about. Yeah, three okay, first first-round yeah. picks and a third-round pick. Three more seasons. Actually, a second. We gave up a second two. last year or a third?
3: We've got two more we lose because we lost one last year. We lose one this year and we lose one next last year. Last year, we, we lost
2: back. our first and what? First and second?
3: Yeah. No, because we had the second. I get your point, Paul.
1: Yeah, but my view is um, I hear what Hayden's saying. Like, he may not be the best person for the Sean Watson. The front office has put the situation together but I would definitely back Stefanski 100% um, next season and then potentially the season afterwards. Um, And if it didn't work out, then we're in a situation where we still at the quarterback, lose Stefanski, lose the quarterback and get someone else in and change it. But I think we've got a stable ship at the moment. Let's keep it stable. And um, I'm sure things will get better. Uh, And if it doesn't work out, massive call. Front office, just let's just go back to two thousand and seventeen and and churn it all again, and whatever,
2: Jack, I want to segue something to you real quick. So Hayden mentioned it, and Paul just mentioned it. So Hayden talked about the vocal leadership, right? The loud guys, the you know, the the passionate fiery guys. And when we talk about an analytics approach, when we talk about deep Podesta Barry Stefanski, all very even keeled, we talk about you know, that CEO style. Do you think maybe this off season, when they go into these, free agents, draft. Do you think maybe one of the guardrails gets added to see who is going to be that vocal leader? Because we've heard it multiple times, which tells me on offense, they operate like Stefanski, right? Chubb, Brissette, nice CEO, go to work, grab your lunch pail professionals. On defense, very hot and cold, right? Miles, yeep, hmm, yeep, Ward, yeep, up and down. How do you think it's going to play with the off season if they do stick with Stavansky for twenty twenty three?
3: Yeah, so I think we'll see this off season a few more vets. I don't think we can get loads, and I, I'm not talking about we're not going out and paying people for leadership. Absolute, forget that nonsense. We're not paying someone like Jarvis Landry fifteen million just because he can make a speech and excite fans on some nonsense TV program. I
2: wish everyone could see Jack's face right now as he just went into the Jarvis Landry paying for leadership thing. It, the, the, just the utter disgust. Love
3: it. Carry but you can go and give one, one and a half, two mil, and you can get guys that are n- not so much there for their leadership, but there for their veteran experience. Um, We've seen it where we brought in defensive tackle that um, one of the, Malik Jackson last year, solid leader, we weren't paying through the nose for him and you're not paying for the leadership but you get some of it as an extra and they're doing the right thing with lots of young players, it's all great but you want one guy in each room who has done it before, can stand up and go no this is how you you play, this isn't acceptable Um, and that's sort of something that I think we will get to and their right to focus this year was more about young, can we bring these guys forward Um, but I think that will help there the other part I want to touch on, and I'm very much of the position that I'm running it back with this head coach and GM, but I could easily see a route where second half of next season, when we get into the last few weeks, they go, no, nah, he's out of here, Um, And we're cleaning house. The one question, if I was having them in, in a press conference, I'd like to ask, and for me is my biggest unhappiness with the pair of them. They come from a schematic position on defense of we do not respect the run. That is there. It's plain and obvious to see, and for me it's the correct decision. They've set up a defense. Yes, John Elliott shouldn't be a starter and hey, if you, if you had one better defensive tackle, it looks a lot better. But the culture and what they've gone out and signed players through the draft and free agency is all about the pass. Then we flip to the offensive side of the ball and they have a lot invested in running back. Chubb is still on an expensive contract, even though hey it's cheaper than McCaffrey and Zeke, but it's still expensive. We have the most expensive backup running back in the league in Kareem Hunt. And we run a lot more than expected. But that is just directly in imp- it, it does not match with your defensive culture. Your way you build a defense is say run doesn't matter, and then you proceed to run the ball. That's the sort of stuff that I would expect John Dorsey or one of these guys picks up the how to be a GM and run a football team and just, oh, yeah, I get the analytics, but no, I'm going to do whatever. I I think they need to sort their shit out because I'm close to, if we see that again repeated across next season, it might be time to change because if we're not going to pass the ball, what's the point of having an expensive quality quarterback?
2: Well, I think we know Kareem Hunt's gone. I mean, we know that, yeah. right? So all of a sudden now, to your point, that backup running back is going to be the Jerome Ford's rookie deals. But I think to your point, there is a little bit of a, an odd dichotomy between the offense and defense because I think by going to get Watson, that outside of structure thing we're talking about with the RPOs, it's going to adjust the numbers to probably somewhere in that like 65% pass, 35% run, maybe at most 40% run. Now, if all of a sudden there's a game, right? So we're talking season averages, not per game, because there may be a game they run at 60% of the time. But oddly enough, the Bengals, who have their three weapons in, on the outside, paid Mixon, you know, ironically enough, in their contract. So it's, it, you're right. These teams kind of get caught between the rock and the hard place where we really appreciate what you did as a running back. We got to give you your money, but it's going to cost us a center or a linebacker or something like that. Where the Browns are at, it's odd because they've set up so they've in terms of resources, I think on defense, they've said we want to be guys. We want to rush the passer and we want to cover on the back end. I mean, Jack, it's no secret. Look at the resources they've exhausted in the secondary. First, seconds, thirds. I mean, we're talking about many of our top assets are in the secondary. And full disclosure, the defense wasn't that bad yesterday specifically. It hasn't been terrible outside of a few boneheaded plays. I get it. But the defensive line is going to be, it has to be. That's why like, you know, O-I-N and I, we talk about wide receiver, wide receiver at the second round pick. It's gotta be D-line. It has to be. You impact the game. See I think they are gonna, they're going to they're going to figure the offensive tackle thing out for one more year. I do think you're right if we're talking about 2024. I also wouldn't be shocked if they try to figure out a way to even generate a first round pick in 2024. You know, they're going to try to maybe flip one of their top guys. I don't know, Denzel Ward, somebody. I think they're going to try to get a 2024 pick because you're right, offensive tackle is going to be a need. Maybe they're hopeful that Jed Wills will get at least to that top half. That's a stretch. I get it, but they need D line. They, they are the premise of why they were successful yesterday is they're getting pressure with four and then they're using seven in coverage. And that's when they start rolling all this stuff. And I'm not going down that road again with the exotics and all that stuff with Joe Woods. The idea is get pressure with four. Well, Jadavian Clowney has gone next year. I think we pretty much know that, right? I, I wouldn't rule out. You wouldn't rule it out, okay?
3: Just because if there's not many older veterans, and they can get him for sort of six, seven mil, I'd consider doing another year. However much I'm not a massive fan of it, I don't know what the edge market is looking like.
2: Yeah, well, and that that becomes a great question because I think Clowney's a little bit more your vocal leader than Garrett, right? So I was thinking, my theory was like if you take him out of the room, Winovich is more of just a kind of a guy, right? He wasn't even active yesterday, so they're going to have to make some tweaks to the roster. The one thing that I do feel good about is Stefanski and Barry, similar personalities. They work well together. So I do think that that will be an ego discussion in terms of, if we're going to sit down and do, you know, self-scouting as they call it or end of the season review, they're going to have to say the glaring needs on this team are we have incompetent below league average. And I don't mean below league average in like 18 to 20. I mean, like, 28 to 32 level in terms of the middle, right? We've been able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit at linebacker all year long. So for all the people out there pounding the table at linebackers, you ain't going to get it. You're going to continue to get to Jack's point, these cheaper veterans that can just step in here and play a role. But on the other side, the deep threats that we're talking about with Watson, like we have not seen the offense that Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson want to run. Right. And, and that was one of our reasons for getting Hayden on is I think that it was a bold statement to make to say that this isn't the scheme for him two games in likely only instilling 20% of the offense, right? There's a lot more of this offense yet to see. And, you know, Paul, you mentioned about the penalties before the offensive line is going to commit more penalties with Deshaun Watson. They are because as every offensive lineman tells you when the quarterback starts moving, they start grabbing right. Betonio on the scramble. You you're not a hundred percent sure where the guy's going to be. So you grab. So there are going to be some growing pains with this offense. There absolutely is. So, but Jack, how did they get that, that deep thread option? I mean, the free agent market is not great. And Paul's so excited. He put his Browns coat on.
1: Yeah, guys, I'm really sorry. I've got to shoot. Um, just want to say it's Ben Albright's birthday today. So big shout out to the big Ben and, um, my thoughts on the offense from last week. It was better than give us your before.
2: grades. Give us your grades.
1: My grades without your help is gonna be awful. Six for offense. Oh Jesus, them faces. Um defense.
2: Six out of twenty.
1: Four and special teams.
2: Six. So four on offense, six on defense, six on specials. No, six on offense.
1: Sorry, six on offense. Oh, I, I thought it was better. It was signs of hope. We we moved the ball down well, rubbish in the red, red zone. That was our problem.
2: All right, Jack and I will talk about that when you hear. So you're gonna you're gonna be the curve buster on that one. But no, we appreciate it, Paul. Thank you for dropping in. Thank you for uh hooking us up with Hayden. Uh if you guys don't know Hayden, go follow him on Twitter, H or underscore Grove. And if you don't know, he's like besties with Michael Buble. So, man, if you're out there looking for a nice romantic uh, night with your ladies, download some Michael Buble and Hayden Grove. So, all right, yeah. well, Jack and I are going to get back into the uh, the game here. Paul, we appreciate it. Thank you much.
1: I look forward to the pre raven show, which will be a Saturday game. So, we we'll try and get online Thursday or Friday. Perfect. Ciao.
2: I mean, do we how much time do we want to spend on this Bengals game? Because it went exactly how I thought it was gonna be. By the way, all those people wanted an early Christmas present. Vegas gave it to you with Bengals minus four. I I, I don't know how much more to tell you. If you if you if you looked at that line and said, I'm gonna take the Browns plus four, that should have been Bengals minus seven. But clearly a couple people are getting extra Christmas gifts from me this year.
3: I don't think we need to spend too much time on this game. It is what it is, it was disappointing. Um, I think we're now very much in and I think you made a good point. You go and win these last four games, however messy it might look, it, that is a massive statement for the team. You then take in. Hey, we've got Sean Watson. We went five and one with him. That's a positive story that you can then sell to free agents. Um, I still think you then go ahead and make changes at D.C. and I mean, special teams Jack, coordinator.
2: The quarterbacks you're going to face to end the season, it looks like you're going to be facing Anthony Brown. Do you even know who Anthony Brown is?
3: I thought it was Anthony Gordon at first, who uh, I do know, because he ended up landing land at KC, I think. And he, he was hot, hotly liked as that sort of late round uh, UDFA QB, but.
2: Yeah, no. So, and for those that didn't pay attention in the Steelers Ravens game yesterday, Tyler Huntley went on a quarterback read to the right and he got hit low and Minka Fitzpatrick just absolutely blew him up and bent him backwards. I'm sure even if something's not torn, it's going to be probably out for this week. So Anthony Brown is their third string quarterback. Uh, I believe he played at Boston college. I think he was Boston college for a while. Then I think he went to Oregon and finished his career at Oregon. Um, He was the guy who was the quarterback that beat Ohio state. For those of you wondering, and maybe why you heard that name before, but yeah, so you got Anthony Brown, then you have the mighty Andy Dalton, maybe Jameis Winston, who knows in, in New Orleans well. this year. Yeah. B- play well for Dennis Allen. Uh, and then the Commanders likely going to be Carson Wentz. who so might be back for that one. Maybe Tyler Heineke. And then to finish the season with the fighting Kenny Pickett slash Mitch Trubisky's. So we're not exactly talking about barn beaters. We should, we should be favored and win the remaining four games. Just saying, but to your point, On top of winning the game, do you think it's down to just winning the game and then it doesn't matter how it looks? Or do you want to see something within the offense? Because as we've said, Jack, and I don't know why it hasn't been talked about, they're running a different offense. The running plays are different. The pass plays are different. The offensive lines blocking schemes are different. That's why you look. I mentioned earlier, they're still staring at the sidelines and trying to get play calls under 10 seconds, which is completely the opposite of what it was with Brissett. And there's a reason for that. This is new. This is preseason. They're still instilling the offense. So what do you want to see? I
3: think the wins are more important just for everything around the team. I think the results are really key because they can work on a lot of stuff in the offseason. They've got an extra preseason. So a lot of that will iron out. Obviously, I would love to see a, a, a slow and steady progression where over each of the games it's getting better. But I think from where the team is at and going into next season, the results are in a way more important um, because if we're sat here and we don't win, say we win one more game out of what's left this season, you're probably cleaning house. Um, and that's more of a direction on that than whatever's going on. So I would love to see Watson gets better each week and we're happy going, hey, He's the real deal, um. By the even if that's just the final week, but yeah, the results are key. A winning and season is
2: massive. I I couldn't a hundred percent agree with you more, and here's why: at the end of the day, winning creates belief, right? And if Stefanski finishes the season nine and eight versus six and eleven, right? You're talking about complete different belief in the locker room. At the end of the day, winning breeds winning. Winning breeds culture. At the end of the day, when people talk about, oh, he lost a locker room. No, that's just they lost the game. That's what that means. Because at the end of the day, these guys are paid professionals, right? If Deshaun Watson goes out and they win a game 13 to 9, Mike Patton's famous quote, the beer tastes better, the bourbon tastes better, the sex is better, the cigars taste better, right? Winning is just something that makes, it's a a dopamine, it's a euphoric rush that these guys have. So I don't care how it looks because I am fully anticipating it's going to be ugly. We know that we, Jack, it's almost impossible and unrealistic to believe that you could instill a new offense in week 13 and expect to have great results that quickly. I mean, I know Baker, he's, you know, human amongst gods going down and winning a game on two days rest. And trust me, it was no fault of his own. You know, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell Vegas is doing. And I'm almost wondering if they're intentionally coaching their team to lose, much like the Texans, to get a better draft pick. Because mind-boggling decisions from their defensive coordinator. And that's when, when we talk about Stefanski in this squad. Look around the league, Jack. There is some bad coaching. I mean, bad. So there's 32 of these jobs, and there's probably – 15 of them that don't deserve jobs. So if you stay Stefanski has the makeup to be a head coach, he's already in the top 16. Because I saw what Josh McDaniels did. And Sean McVay, I don't know why that guy gets things that i won't call the tangent, but he makes some mind-boggling dumb decisions too. But Deshaun Watson, just win. Just go out there. I don't care if you have to run around and, you know, just go full-on backyard Turkey Bowl football. Just win. It, it, it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, you're right. If they're nine and eight and they're going the offseason, you know, they're feeling better. Not as many people are going to get fired. Not as many people are going to pound on the table. But, Jack, they, there's so many glaring holes in this roster. There is. How do we patch them all?
3: Well, I, I think that's where our shows effectively go moving forward because no one really wants a breakdown of Anthony Brown or cares that much. Um, whereas I think we now seriously look at, hey the off season is here um because i, I think even if you win out there's what I mean a few percentage chance that you
2: one.
3: You, you win well, there's a one yeah. percent chance now that we win but that's if you put four wins in I wonder what it would do for the formula but you're gonna need a massive massive bit of luck um just because the tiebreakers are against us at nine and eight um so it's it's one of like Let's almost start having that conversation. We can start with different position rooms. We can really get into it. And um, I always say it when people look to the offseason, They start with the draft. And I always tell people, that's the last place you begin. Um, I get scouting players and you want to find the players you like. The draft is about the future, especially with our picks being so late. Effectively, the first guy you pick, you are drafting for 2024. 20, uh, You're not drafting for 2023. The players you're going to bring in to make a difference in 2023 are going to come through free agency or trades. And that's just how it's going to work. If you have a first round, it's slightly different, but um, you're not bringing some guy in there. Some, some guy can come in and be useful, but it's probably due to an injury, then, hey, he's smashing out of the park. Like an Emerson that sneaks in as your third corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Emerson isn't game changer or changing our season. If he's yeah. not here, we wouldn't have a that much for a worse record. However, excited. He Pick
2: sixth a preseason game. Jack, are you forgetting about this? You no. Know, a lot of times, I think that we can stress sometimes on negatives. In looking at the one at the game yesterday, and when we talk about how a franchise quarterback is supposed to elevate the play of those around him on offense, right? Realistically, we're talking about Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford. You know, Dearness is probably gone. So we're talking about two running backs, do you?
3: I, I I quite like the back, and I th- I think they can offer him a deal one and a half mil and get him back, and I, I would do that. I think it's well worth uh, that investment.
2: Okay, so let's just say we Hunt's gone. That's we already yeah. know that. So we have Chubb, possibly Johnson, and we know Ford's going to be here. And then on the on the pass catcher side, I think Amari Cooper. I mean, we could talk a little bit about his contract, but do you see any scenarios where they don't bring him back next year?
3: I'm going to write about it. Ooh, I think it's on Friday. Uh, it's Friday or Saturday. Um, but I think the direction travels probably more of an extension. He's definitely back
2: next year. Okay. By the way, so he's back. Donovan Peoples Jones, I think he solidified himself as being, I don't know about a wide receiver, too, but he's been a wide receiver starting caliber, right? If we go 11 personnel, that means three. Let's just put him in at three. So I do think that DPJ is back. Cooper's back. David Njoku. David Njoku, one of my biggest fears when they paid him was that we were going to continue to see flashes without continued excellence. And I think when he's out there, you can definitely see that he is a tight end one, right? And I don't mean the number one tight end in the league. He's not Travis Kelsey, but he is a top 12 Right at worst, tight end in the league. I think it's unquestioned. Right. Some you could argue top eight, regardless. So you have Cooper, Chubb, Ford, DPJ, Njoku. I like, I'm starting to like what I see with David Bell a little bit in terms of that wide receiver four, five. We talked about the draft, third round pick. It's gonna take him two, three years to get ramped up to the NFL, especially given his, you know, his speed limitations, some of his size limitations. So the main piece on offense that we're talking about is the deep threat, right? I think Schwartz, I wouldn't even be shocked if he retires or, you know, has to step away from the game given the, you know, the head, the head injuries he sustained. So we're talking about the one giant piece there that we need to have that vertical threat. Hayden talked about it. We've talked about it. You have to introduce that third element to the off to the offense, being stretch it deep. Offensive line, I think this is probably where you had mentioned it from an offensive tackle standpoint, where they're probably going to invest more resources in terms of the draft because you obviously have Betonio and Teller. Harris and Pochich are guys that at least you know you have starting higher quality NFL caliber centers. The tackles are going to be the big thing. Do you think it's more likely they go out and get an offensive tackle in free agency or wide receiver? We're saying real tackle. high general because we're going to do each room, obviously specific. So
3: Offensive tackle, without a doubt, I think they've got to go out and get somebody. Um, I'm not talking go big. I'm talking, hey, two and a half, three mil. Um, they bring someone in and I think they go, hey, this guy can come in and do the job. That sort of Cornelius Lucas is someone that has been around the past and it's like, hey, I want that guy as my sort of swing tackle. Who can come in. But if you look at this, let's do the whole of the offensive line. Everyone that's on this roster – how many of them do you feel really confident is saying they are on the 2024
2: Cleveland Browns? 2024. Ooh. One. Who is?
3: Batonia? I think you can maybe make the case for Hudson is the only other one, just because that'll be the last year of his rookie deal, I believe. Um, his...
2: Yeah, because he was 2021. 20, 22, 22. Yeah, yeah, that'd be it last. His V is in a second
3: now. Yeah, we're talking out of, they've got 11 of them, I think, under contract or, IR or whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, that, because that, that... would be the one year outside of Jedrick Wills's.
0: Yep. Yeah. If he doesn't By get the way, a 50 yeah,
2: option. Yesterday, I thought he did a pretty decent job just for the thing. It wasn't great. Needs to work on his run game, but I thought in pass, bro, he did, he did a halfway decent job. So, in saying all that. So, Conklin for sure. I think is gone. Wills is for sure on the bubble. Do you,
3: do you give him the fifth year option?
2: I don't. Yes, I do. Yeah. What, oh. I mean, what are you talking about? 13, 14 million.
3: I think it's 14 mil. And the reason why I don't is because I think it's like 18 mil to tag him. I would rather just roll for a year. And if we effectively, I'm,
2: but if you give him the tag fifth year give option, him deal. you could extend him if you wanted to. and, do what they did with the Joku, right?
3: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it, I just don't know if I'm willing to give him 14 mil guaranteed based on what I've seen. Yeah, I mean... I think it, I could get just as good for like two and a half, three mil. It's, it's some just, old veteran that you're only going to have for one year, but roll yeah. with
2: it. No, it, it, it's, it's... If you're going to go to a mainly pass, passing team, right? We talk about 60 65% you're obviously going to need your tackles to be better in pass than they are in run, especially if this, you know, if we're being realistic with the element of Deshaun Watson and having that mobile quarterback, it should reduce some of the stress on just straight power schemes or ISOs or counters. You know, when you're running the wide zone, at the end of the day, you're really as a tackle, you just have to get to the edge. So you need guys that can move. It's an interesting, it's an interesting caveat because We watched yesterday. We watched Nick Chubb just couldn't get anything going. We couldn't. The Bengals basically said, you're not going to beat us this way. We know what Deshaun Watson is right now. That's what the biggest difference between the Cincinnati game on Monday night and the Cincinnati game last night was we're not going to let Nick Chubb beat us in saying that. Does it worry you that with Jacoby Brissett, it was almost automatic that we were scoring points on our first drive. And now in the last two games, I don't think we have more than like 10 yards combined on our first drive. I think yesterday we were three plays, negative X yards, and that was it. Do we do we yeah, think so, that's
3: concerning at all? Yeah, our O-line and run game has been trashed since week nine. And I don't mean just struggling. I mean straight up trash. Um, and that that is having a knock-on impact. Um, I think they need to find an answer for what they want to do. But it's all of that stuff has such a significant impact Watson drops to a different depth than Brissette and he moves around a different way and that is it's bigger than you think it is it's not like you've brought in Jimmy Garoppolo to replace Tom Brady because Tom Brady's gone down because they are, there are a lot of similarities between them whereas I think there is bigger differences than people accept between Brissette and Watson um, so I think that's a factor that sort of it goes under the radar because people look, oh, this quarterback goes in, that one go uh, replaces him, oh, it'll be fine. Um, whereas, yeah, it, it's a very different offense. Stuff like RPOs, we didn't really run them. And then we're going, hey, let's run loads of them. That's new for the offensive line and causing problems. So
2: 700 snaps with a quarterback that you pretty much knew where he was going to be. I mean, the extreme example is, imagine you're trying to block for Tom Brady versus you're trying to block for Justin Fields. <laughs> it's like, and I'm not saying Watson is... as runner as fields is because those are design runs but yeah i mean Batonio is the key example watson starts scrambling and there's a grab that, that happens all the time i mean anybody who watches football understands and you're right that is a really big deal they had 700 snaps of blocking to someone in a spot and yes Brissett ran but it wasn't like it was more on a breakdown play i'm actually shocked we haven't got more of the illegal men downfield right because that's the number one thing how many times you see it with the chiefs Mahomes makes a play. He's scrambling. He's running. And the lineman trots two yards down the field. And there goes the flag. So it's it's a nice. unique situation because, Jack, overall, I thought the offense, I know Paul gave him a six. I thought the offense was pretty bad yesterday. I mean, I, I didn't see much of anything. I would have said maybe a two or a three, if we're being honest. They couldn't get out of the way. And I, I want to correct myself because I said on the opening drive. So in the opening drive yesterday, the Browns went eight plays, 51 yards. That was the fourth down play. Which, by the way, I don't really have an issue with that call. Yeah, Like, I know everybody's killing them like, this odd play call. Everybody in their right mind, when Jacoby Brissett came into the game, were like, oh, they're sneaking it. The Bengals did. So, the element of surprise was there. Nobody thought, oh, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pull this and throw it. So, I have no problem with the call. It was the ensuing drives after that one. Three plays, one yard. Four plays, negative three yards that first quarter it just the offense got stuck in the mud so I want to correct myself for all the people out there they're going to tell me about the 10 yards yes they went eight plays 51 yards on their opening drive which actually tells me it's a little bit of a good sign because that was scripted
3: but to that point it's like if that goes in as a touchdown a lot of the game changes because there's more not panic but there's more pressure on the Bengals offense the Browns offense suddenly feels more confident and then they're Bears start to roll more. It's it's certainly the right idea to go for that stuff because three points don't win games. Um, we're not in that business. We need to score points. Yeah, once you get down to it in the fourth quarter, something might help with three points, but not in the first. Get ahead and you can change the shift and the balance of the game. So certainly keep being aggressive. Um, certainly where you need to go.
2: Oh, absolutely. If you're up seven, nothing, look at the Monday night game. If you get up on the Bengals 10 points, they abandon their run game and they play exactly into the, the game's type you want. Rush four, drop seven. And it was like the Bengals were basically, that's why the EPA came out as 26-25, because the, the Browns simply capitalized on the opportunities they were given. The Bengals would have been in chase mode the entire game. If you looked at it, at no point did you look there. and I mean, Burrow had the flea flicker. That was really it. I mean, don't get me wrong. He threw an absolute seed to chase in there and split double coverage. That's that's one of those ones you just tip your hat and say, hey, that's a great throw. But at the end of the day, the Browns defense dominated the, the Bengals pretty much all game. I mean, holding them the three field goals, uh, an absolute gem of a touchdown, and then a bullshit flea flicker where Grant Delbert came flying in like Superman. Overall, the Browns should have won that game. They should have. They just beat themselves, which is typical for what they're doing. Penalties and I get it. There's people out there that were tweeting that the refs were stop blaming the refs, right? Tony Fields speared the punter. And I saw some people say, Well, you can't call a punt block. I'm sorry, there's 32 teams in the NFL that should be able to call punt block and not have a guy spear the punter, not as he's kicking the ball, after he kicked the ball. The ball was gone, and he just wailed him. So Spare me on the sense that if I'm a special teams coordinator, I should be able to call a punt block and not have to worry about my guy bulldozing the punter like think about what you're saying here is we are not capable of calling a punt block because I don't trust our players. great message from coaching but the penalties I get it Some of them are ticky tack. Jerome Boger is very well known for that his. How many times have you watched a primetime game and they, they make a comment about Jerome Boger? So his crew, they they officiate a different game. But again, it's no excuse. They're self-infl- self-inflicted penalties. The Bengals had him as well. Go out and win the game. Offensively, there really wasn't much to talk about, really. I mean, DPJ had a decent game. I thought Njoku's touchdown showed that he's a freak athlete. So between DPJ and uh, Njoku, I give him a two.
3: Yep, yeah, two. It's brutal. I think you just got to roll with it. The defensive yeah. side of the ball look, looking better, though. That's, uh, I, it.
2: I thought they were pretty – I thought they're starting, and I don't know what the hell it is. Joe Woods just needs to show up in December. They were getting pressure with four. I thought Deion Jones looked, you know, salvageable in the middle. He played a decent game. Hell, Taven Bryan and Perry and Whitford even played pretty well. So, what, four out of the five top PFF guys were defensive linemen. And starters. I've still got some hope for Perry and Winfrey. I actually do too. Please get him an alarm clock and just get him a life coach. Just show up on time. Just be a professional. Then you can bark all you want. Just you got to show up. You got to be an adult. Um, I thought JOK, you know, plays his role. And when you are playing the Bengals, if you're getting pressure, you know, you're going to put some stress on the secondary. There's no doubt about it. I thought the secondary had a couple communication breakdowns, so to say, but overall I thought they did a decent job. Um, I I wonder what's going on with Denzel Ward. Um, no, I don't think that was pass interference along the edge. I know people want to talk about grabs and stuff like that. If you called that level on every single pass play, it would be ninety five percent 90, 95% of the flags. I, mean, I watched Sunday Night Football not, last night with the Chargers and the Dolphins. I mean the number of times that DBs get their hands on Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle—you just throw flags every time. So, again, I think that was a boger crew. By the way, Jack, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the Justin Herbert roughing the passer? Nope. Oh, I'm going to talk about the defense. Grab your phone and look at that real quick.
3: Must it, signal shocking. If I do that, I'll drop out of oh. the
2: podcast. <laughs> Jack is going to tweet about the roughing the passer. It is by far all the miles Garrett, people who want to talk about roughing the passer. Oh no, this is by far the number one worst roughing the passer. I think I've seen in three years, but beside the point, it was that awful defensively Jack six. I thought they were relatively decent. Uh, they got the turnover early. Where they end up with two sacks, both by Garrett, two sacks a pick.
3: You said some issues around JOK, and I, I, think this all gets resolved next season when we trade him
2: for Elijah Moore. Might I trade him for a first round pick in twenty twenty four? I'm sure there's a playoff team that would love him, right? Can't we get a, we can get a first from him? He's proven. Just keep watching that Isaiah Simmons deal because luckily he's saving himself by money by playing like shite out in Arizona, but yeah, overall I would say six on defense. Um, we've you know it was Jordan Kunazic, by the way, twelve snaps on defense, not great snaps. Oh boy, out there missed a couple tackles. Extend him. Ronnie Harrison didn't miss a tackle, which I was shocked by. He's uh, had a nice end of the season. Yeah, it's not been terrible. So I think a couple of these pieces you're talking about coming back. but um Specials, I would have given it a passing grade, Jack. I would have. If Tony Fields hadn't just walloped the damn punter. Uh, Boric was, was on the the offensive side of the special teams, a.k.a. the punter and the kicker, I thought it was excellent. I mean, I think Borquez has just been an absolute gem of a find. And by the way, did you see the Scottish hammer kick off the ground? Yeah, that was oh. mad. Oh, boy, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never, I, I will say as a punter, I've never done that. Never, ever, ever have I done that. Thrown the ball out in front of me, but he he kicked the ball, which I think was the most Im- incredible thing about it. Um, but now Bork was four punts averaged of 55 yards with a long of 65. I mean, he was absolutely crushing the ball and Cade York. I, I just like the way the ball's coming off his foot right now. I think Tony Fields bumps it to a six for me just because, I mean, I gave him a 10 last week in essence, but it would probably for me be a seven, but we can't give a specials a seven. So I would say it's probably a six.
3: I think you've got to come down lower because it's effectively a turnover from special teams. So I, I, I want to come down and give it about four.
2: Ooh, you're going to take away the 65 yard bangers it, it, the same
3: way last week it was like i don't care what happened they they got turnovers boom let's give them a really high grade i think this play is it was a turnover on the um on field i think it's got to be a fall i don't think you can get away with that sort of stuff
2: I figured you'd give them a boost given that every single kick of ours was a there was a touchback. Like we didn't even give them an ability to return a kickoff. We did pretty good on so here's the full scope. Punt coverage, good, kick coverage, good, kick return average, punt return average. More made all his kicks on from York, bangers from Borquez. Stupid penalty. Yep. So we'll go how about a five? You said okay. four, Here I you. say six. We'll go with a five. So I want check. I'm going to stay on I'm going to stay on the train for four more games just because it's what I do. Um I do think that I would like to see the trend. Ultimately, we talked about it. The number one thing is we need to win. We do. We just need to win the game. That's the, that'll be what I judge solely. I I know I make fun of people a lot of times for being opinionated based on results, but I want to see two things. I want to see us win most importantly, and I want to see the offense trending in a better direction, right? I think it's, it looked better from Houston to Cincinnati for all those people out there that told me that Houston was a layover easiest team in the league to beat. Uh, did you take uh, the Cowboys minus 17 yesterday where it took Dak Prescott going over 90 yards with some generous calls to beat the Texans? Just saying that, that pain in the ass football team that you scored three defense or three defense and special teams, touchdowns off of. So, but yeah, I want to see the offense trending and I want to see the defense holding this level. Cause next week, if we do play Anthony Brown, I think it's going to be a relatively efficient day on defense, just based on what we have and what he's capable of Huntley Jackson. If you tell me, I'm getting the poor man's poor man's version of Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson doesn't even really kill this Browns defense. I'd be shocked if the Ravens score 14 points. Browns opened
3: up two and a half point favorites. Um if, that it's just seems incredibly low. I'd have expected more, I guess it's because they still don't know on Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah. And I think that once that could be one where it goes to maybe two, three points added. So yeah, I'll pull it out to like
3: six and a half if um Anthony Brown's playing.
2: Yep. So, well, that was a good show. Uh, Again, special thanks to Hayden for coming on. Last time I saw him, Paul was throwing his skyline chili in the trash. Uh, down in Cincinnati but you know he he definitely is going to have the Browns fan base uh, circled up the wagons today because of his tweet Uh, again I still think it's a little early Uh, he did a great job kind of explaining his point so again we thank him for that Uh, all opinions are welcomed on this podcast you know there's definitely we're not going to kill anyone for their opinions that's not the way we do it Uh, before we sign off Jack I know England's out was there any solace in the sense that it was a Spurs player who bottled it.
3: It's, it's not solace. It's just like, hey, we've seen this one before. It's like, yeah, what can you expect? They're called Spursy for a reason. They they are absolutely useless.
2: Brownsy, um, Spursy. I I almost want to add chargersy I don't yeah. know. Yesterday, if you saw it, Jeff Wilson plows into the pile, gets the ball ripped out. The Dolphins player goes to recover it, taps it backwards, and Tyreek Hill grabs it and goes 70 yards. So good. It only happens against the Chargers. So, yeah, I think Kane, I think he overthought it. Just with his power, Loris knows your power. He was shitting bricks. Uh, all, he just had to go up the middle with power. But I, I- think it was
3: purely because it's his club goalie he was up against, and that really played the mind games. I think if it was any other goalie, he probably converts it. But I think Lloris is the other end, and that's the guy that's probably seen him take more penalties than any other goalie in the world. And I think that really plays on his mind.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you look at it, Lloris played a mind game. I think Kane was trying to say, I'm going to not overthink this. I'm just going to do the same thing I did last time. And he tries to roof it. But if you see right before he kicks, Lloris takes a step that way. So he tried to add a little bit more height because he knew that Lloris was probably going to go low. And that's what got it up. He baggio it almost over the bar. But if you're Kane, you have to understand, like Ronaldo in his day, I will just kick this as hard as I possibly can. Guess right or wrong, you're probably not going to save it. Because a ball coming at you from 12 yards at 80 to 100 miles an hour, even if you get a hand on it, it's going back into the net. And at that height, even at, you know, six feet, you know, five feet off the ground. I just think he overthought it, but it, it's interesting that Paul talked about the Southgate Stefanski thing, because obviously Southgate is kind of of that vanilla, not a lot, you know, he's not going to throw his team out of the bus and Southgate is so defensively, you know, strategic with the way he plays. I thought England had a great game plan, honestly, for trying to contain France. And that's a, that's a potent offense, but just offensively it's lacking, right? It's just you, when you have that level of talent, on your, you know, your front attacking half, it's gotta be better. With the Browns, it's similar, right? Stefanski's offensively very gifted in terms of schematic and drawing it up. But but yeah, it's it sucks. Uh, who's your prediction for the final? You think uh you got Croatia, Argentina on one side and you got Morocco and France on the other?
3: I think France go ahead and win it. I don't think it's even that close, but I would love a Morocco Croatia just because. Give, well, give me we the could, underdogs the we,
2: could, we could see the uh the repeat of France Croatia. Uh I'll be curious because I will tell you this. Playing sweeper for 18 years, Morocco can defend. I will, I mean, they have not given up a goal in the tournament against them, right? Their only goal they've ever given in the old tournament was against Canada, was an own goal. Nobody has scored on them yet. They've only scored on themselves, which is impressive. Their, their sweeper or center back is technically sound. They understand. They're pretty much the opposite of the U.S. team. They understand how to mark runners. They are awful to watch on offense at times, and they strictly going on the counter. But, man, that team knows how to defend. You don't get a lot of open shots against them. So it'll be a battle of strengths in the French offense versus the Moroccan defense. And in the same sense, the south american teams struggle against european teams because of the physicality and croatia has the size and the strength over argentina and i know argentina has messi but they have luka modric so it's a little bit of a yes is messi at his age a little bit better than modric at his age yes however i don't think the the gap is significant enough i think it's going to be croatia and i'm going to take france only because i think it goes to penalties And I think that France has a better offensive skill. So the Moroccan keeper, while he's playing out of his mind, he probably should win the golden gloves. I'm going with the France, Croatia, and in a shocker, Croatia, who I have at plus 6,600 is going to lift. Love it. There's your soccer breakdown for the international fans of the podcast. This may be one where you have to listen to over two parts. We get it, but a lot of talk about, you know, obviously a lot of the fans have hopped off the 2022 season train, Uh, And we get it. But as Jack mentioned, we're going to start maybe focusing a little bit on to who are the guys that we want to see something from to finish the season? Who are the guys we want back? Maybe. I don't think we have too many guys that are up for extensions. The key one, obviously, being Donovan Peoples-Jones. So we'll see what a market like his contains. But outside of that, I got nothing else, Jack. You got anything?
3: No, that's nothing for me. So um, go Browns.
2: Well, remember, Jack has an article plug in at the end of the week. So if you haven't already, go sign up for OBR. Follow Jack. You probably already are, hence how you know about this podcast. Subscribe. He's going to have the article about Amari Cooper, which I know a lot of Browns fans are going to want to read. So on that note, enjoy your work weeks. Stay warm. Stay cold, depending on what climate you're in. And most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns.